Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, Siki Boo Boo. Hello, Boo 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 Boo. How are you feeling? Oh, do, 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 do. <laughs> I just want to pinch your cheeks to the screen. <laughs> oh. You know, I'm not You're feeling right. not feeling so hot today, but I figured if uh, you got through recording episodes when you were had bronchitis and COVID at the same time, then I think I can handle a slight cold. <laughs> through my month of consumption. Jesus. <laughs> You're all right. You look good, babe. Thanks. Babe. No one will no one will see because you refuse to reveal yourself in this manner. I do. I've put my foot down. No video today. But that's okay because you guys have our voices. A sexy voice. That's all you need to get through your day. <sighs> How are you? I'm good. I am great. Actually, I've had a really nice week. Good. The shed has been the shed. Which we can't call which, it a shed anymore. No, no, no. It's a gorgeous we're, palace. We're rebranding. It's the fairy cottage. Rebrand. The cottage is a dream. I've been looking after my niece Lauren this week, which has been so fun. She's 14 and I love teenagers so much. I find them to be magical, hilarious little psychopath terrorists <laughs> they really are psychotic um, no they they're psychotic and they are terrorists they they'll be like i'll be like i'm gonna get ice cream do you want anything and she'll be like yeah i want the plane with cookie dough pieces um thank you love you and then she'll text me two minutes later and be like don't forget the cookie dough <laughs> love you <laughs> I'm like, okay bitch <laughs> <laughs> all of the time she'll be like i'm gonna stay out till 9 30 okay love you so much oh my god i love you i'm like okay okay <laughs> she thinks i was born yesterday and she thinks i was never a teenager yeah oh my god obviously when you're a teenager anyone over the age of 19 is just an ancient old ha- haggard yeah. old troll yep so to her i'm like old but also She'll be like, you're one of us. And I'm like, no, bitch, I'm not. I'll kick your ass. <laughs> her and her friends wanted to go and like TP this boy's house the other day. Um, I let them come over and have like a slumber party in the main house, which they absolutely, they loved it. They were up until like three in the morning. Old um, Aunt Annabelle out in the garden. I know. I'm like peeking out around the corner like, you bitches better not be drinking. What are you doing? <laughs> like, I'm like, every time I hear a noise, I get my binoculars out. Um, but they were fine. They were fine. I'm like, what am I going to do? Stay awake all night watching them? It's psycho. But it was because it was the first time I've had like a load of them here and not been in like the same building as them. So I'm just like, I don't trust you at all oh my god but i do trust them but they were like can you take us over there like we're gonna tp his house i was like so you want me to drive you be an accomplice to commit commit the crime yeah you're the getaway driver we'll be on every single person's nest cam and also i am an adult (laughs) (laughs) 
No, you're one of us. No, I'm not. No, just because we share. Just because we share clothes. Just because we share clothes. I'm not one of you. No, one of my music students. She's turning 16 this week, and she's having a party on her parents' yacht. With 20 of her friends going on a party bus to this yacht. And I said, no way in hell you're doing that without chaperones. I'm going. (laughs) Oh, you're going to chaperone? I agree. I'm going. I'm not. No way. 16-year-olds on a yacht. Get the hell out of here. They'll probably get drunk and fall in. Make them all wear armbands. (laughs) (laughs) All those floaties. Yeah, okay, get them all, as they enter the yacht, make yeah. them put on the floaty knickers that they put on babies. Yes, you know, the fl- everyone's wearing then, a diaper. Yeah, and they won't have sex in those, and they'll float if they fall exactly. in. Exactly. <laughs> I'm going to be monitoring this yacht situation very closely. Yeah, I definitely feel like I've got, like, old hawk eyes out. Like, anything they say, I'm, like, looking for clues. I'm like, <laughs> you say something about sex? <laughs> I was so much worse than Well, that's than why you don't trust them is because of how I bad know. you were. Yeah. Which is actually part sisters. of our conversation today about judgment. <laughs> Big time. Exactly. I'm literally just like, I know what I'd be doing in there. So I'm Exactly. Gonna... We expect the same from everyone else as to what we would be doing. But it was all girls here and not, you know, not to assume that they're all straight, but. Girls behave differently when they're all together than they do when you throw boys in the mix. Oh, yeah. Regardless of what their sexual preference is. All of a sudden, you know, we're silly buggers. We're giggling, we're titling, we're trying to show off. And it's just like, no, no boys. Female energy only. That's it. And I will not drive you to commit arson. I will not be the getaway driver in this. Then they were like, let's door dash them something gross. And I'm like, no. You're like, whose credit card you putting that on? Auntie Annabelle's? They've all all got their parents' credit cards on their their fucking iPhones. So they're like, let's get door dash at 12. Let's do this. Let's do this. this, this." I'm like, no, 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 no. Not while I'm looking after you. Well, Um, wow. Anyway, that's been me. And I've been loving it. I have to say... The idea in my head I've had about looking after teenagers solo for the longest time I have has been great. I mean, obviously, there's the general normal teenage stuff where you're just like, for God's sake. But I love it. I love it. I think I'm having too much fun. I don't know that it's meant to be this enjoyable. Wow. I I think you're trying it on for size. I know. I feel like I might be. Thinking about children soon? (laughs) I've always said I'm going to adopt teenagers. Are you serious? Well, nobody wants them. Nobody wants them. And I think they're so funny. Like, even when they're being rotten, I think they're funny. Wow. I've always wanted to adopt a child or two. I think that's amazing. Yeah, I don't want to bust my pussy open, so I'm trying to adopt. Trying to (laughs) find a way around that. (laughs) Tell me about you. You've been at home very ill. I've been in my uh, my sick bed all week while fully functioning. No, I haven't laid down once. There's a lot going on right now. I'm I, all of a sudden, I'm up for like three movies at once. <laughs> like after years of no auditions, all of a sudden there's like more than I can commit to. That's how it works, right? 
Three buses come at once. That's what they say. And I'm just joking. I have had auditions, okay? It's a joke. (laughs) So I don't know where I'm going to be in the next six months. It's really strange as an actor, you really are like a traveling gypsy because you can't plan ahead. It cracks me up when your you know your family or someone is like, "Hey, can you be at our wedding next September?" and you're just like, "I don't know. <laughs> I can't tell you where I'll be in September. I might be in yeah. Zimbabwe doing a film. I don't know. I'll tell you the week before." But I remember that. I remember that very well from when I was signed. And I what I started to do is just what do I want to do? Okay, I want to be at the wedding in September. So I'm going to commit. And I just live by the thing of like, it's easier to apologize afterwards. Exactly. Yeah. I always say, yes, I'll be there. But get me a refundable ticket. Because I can't, go, I can't yeah. promise. I'll, I'll pencil it in. And I definitely will make it a priority. But anyway, blah, blah, blah. As if there's not enough going on with my actual career projects a really good friend of mine is a incredible interior designer and he has his own paint line and and he asked if i would help out with painting paint chips like the the samples that you would get mm-hmm. in a in a showroom to take home yeah. and put up on oh, your I'm wall oh i'm familiar yes i'm now running a complete paint lab over <laughs> over here on my patio <laughs> I, as we speak on the table here, drying our hundreds of paint chips, and this color is Ash 5. So, my which is weeks, what your hands will be at the which end. Which is what my hands and fo- body and face will be covered with um, when I get done with this. So, there's a lot of creativity over here at this house. You're knitting. I'm knitting, yes, but I can't go in. Darning. Can't go into too much detail with that because that's for people's Christmas presents. So I'm darning, I'm knitting, I'm embroidering. I'll let you know, I'll let you know what colours I like. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Insane. Insane times, guys. Oh my god, can I make a request? Um I if I have time I can handle it, <laughs> but what? I want like a woolen bucket hat. What the fuck's a bucket hat? Like a also beanie? Some pit, cut, but with like a rim on it. I'm not advanced enough to do hats. No. Isn't it just like two circles? I don't think I can handle that. <laughs> that sounds too hard. Okay, fine. I can handle like a square, like a potholder. <laughs> or like... Make me... Some woolen knickers for, for England. It's going to be very cold oh my at my mum's house. Oh my god, I'm going to have to buy a pattern. This is... Some cash, some, a cashmere G-string, I would prefer if possible. I oh, don't a, like knit, a knit G-string that's all mm-hmm. itchy and uncomfortable. No, because it's going to yes. be <laughs> Only the best for my pussy. I'm not buying you cashmere yarn. With the, what do you think this is? Barney's? Oh, sorry, sorry. Jesus. I thought you were a Christmas elf with all the painting and everything that you've been doing. Well, there's still a budget involved. (laughs) Right. Anyway. Anyway, should we do the news? I was always going to count us in there, and then I remember that you don't like it when I do that. I mean, don't let me ruin the party. Whatever you want, Annabelle, you have artistic license here. Ready? Ready? (gasps) Ready? 
it. I did yeah, it. No, we're recording. I can't do this anymore. We're recording one. I didn't change it. <laughs> Listen, I have to shoot for a higher pitch than you so that when they go together, it has layers. We can't both be on the same pitch. <laughs> You know, that always bothers me if I'm in a meditation circle and they ask everybody to do an ohm at the end. Yeah. Where I hate it. I don't know why it makes me so uncomfortable when everybody pitches their ohm at the same pitch. And so I always find a higher pitch. I <laughs> have never heard such a child of a Laurel Canyon rock star then come out of your mouth. In like, your life I want my ohm to be where I want it, not where you tell me it's supposed to be. When I do a meditation circle and we arm at the end, I like to harmonize my arm. <laughs> but it applies to anything in life because I don't want to do the same pitch as you for the news. No, the fuck, it doesn't. Anyway, good God, woman. <laughs> we need to get to England. You're getting too LA. I'm getting too LA'd out. I have to get out of here, you guys. I'm losing my mind. Get me to England. <laughs> okay, so here's my news. It's kind of a No, we didn't do I... the intro, you idiot. Oh, uh, okay, okay. It's not world news. Wait, you have to start over. God. It's not world news. It's not important news. It's Lucy and Annabelle news. Fuck. Right. It's not really news because, listen, I, I uh, forgot to renew my subscription to Vogue. Please tell me it's not about Kim Kardashian no, or Kanye West. No, it's actually West. not for once. I re- last, last week I humiliated myself, so I'm now looking for other things. Jesus. Um, so, okay, so this came up on my Vogue Instagram that I follow, British Vogue, I follow their Instagram. Okay. Great follow if you like fashion and also sort of, Articles that are thoughtful, not overly thoughtful, not overly trash. Um, Just the right amount of both. Yeah. So this little picky here and this article, it says, After decades of being covered up, stretch marks are finally becoming normalized. Our feeds reveal the gentle ridges of sand dunes over the breasts, rivulets of lava on thighs, still more rising up like flames over postpartum abdomen. They unite us, affecting every ethnicity, every demographic, serving as a testament to our growth, both physical and emotional, writes Kathleen Baird-Murray in the December issue of British Vogue. It says, it's long overdue, the tide is turning, stretch marks are out. And I found it really interesting because of all the body issues I've ever had, I've never given a fuck about my stretch marks. I don't know why. I just, I've never been bothered by them i had them all i've got them on my thighs mm-hmm. like on the sides of my thighs and like really pale ones on my inner thighs i've got pale ones on my breasts but mine are like quite they're like deep but pale but they've never bothered me hmm. i don't know why they never have i don't know why other things have bothered me and they haven't i think i've just always seen them as your skin stretches so you get a stretch mark when you grow. Mm-hmm. I've never really put like a value judgment or a beauty standard or a anything on it. Are you 
Do you have stretch marks? Are you bothered by them? Is it something you notice on other people? Well, I really like that article. I really like what was said. That's Mm -hmm. beautiful the way they described that and said it's like lava. And what else did they say? Like sand dunes? Sand dunes. And then I thought the thing about the um, postpartum belly was really, really lovely as well. Yes. Um, And she's saying that that unites us because I, I don't. I don't I don't have stretch marks yet. I don't I've mm. never I've never thought about it. I now I'm probably going to go search my body to see if I actually do. Yeah. But I think it's a beautiful thing. Like I've mm. like you said about your face, you've earned the lines in your face and they they're passed down from the people you love in your family and mm. that makes them something to be proud of. And I think it's the same for stretch marks. I think that articles like that coming from a source like British Vogue is really powerful for women. And Mm. I'm seeing more and more billboards and advertisements pop up with all different kinds of body shapes. And it's really making me happy. I think it's beautiful. And we seem to be moving towards embracing that a bit more. Yeah, I think that it's... It's a relief to just not even think about it as far as the different body shapes. Exactly. Colors and all those uh, people and demographics. It's nice to look at those billboards and have it find it increasingly more normal. Exactly. And just not even registering as like, oh, wow, look, they're really being inclusive with that. I'm happy to see companies taking responsibility in that way. And stepping I also, up. On, on the other side of that, there are times where I see stuff being advertised and it's like trousers or something. And it's like on a girl in a wheelchair. And mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I get it. I get what you're doing. I can't see the trousers. And that's where I feel like it's just like, now you're just now making this confusing for everyone. <laughs> That's the stuff where I'm just like, I, a jumper on a girl with one arm. I, I'm trying to see the jumper here. And I get that girls with one arms need jumpers as well. Of course. But, but most people have two arms. So if I could see it well, you just, also on you, a model with two arms, it you, would be great. <laughs> you just got to showcase the product, don't you? It's really the bottom line. I know that some of you aren't going to like that comment, and I'm no, sorry. No, that's a spicy comment. I'm not saying I'm not saying that people in wheelchairs don't need jeans. All I'm saying is is that most people aren't in a wheelchair. So if you could show me the jeans on both types of people, that would be great. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. Moving on. You get what I'm saying. It's like I do woke, know what you're saying. It's woke capitalism where they take it to this place where I'm like, you'll have kind of like missed the vibe on this. Yeah. There's a way. Yeah. Yeah. You can be inclusive without being like exploitative. And you can, I feel like. I can really feel when a brand is like, hey guys, you see, we've used this black man in a wheelchair to, to show you our product. And it's like, okay, fucking Nescafe. Literally, what the fuck has this got to do with coffee? 
Just show me the coffee. Show me the goddamn coffee pod. <laughs> coffee pod. Don't they only show do me pods? The coffee pod. <laughs> no, don't get me started on those pods. I think those are the demons work. Oh, I don't do pods. I do a cafetiere. So bad for the environment. Yeah. Every piece of plastic takes a thousand years to, to deteriorate in this oh planet. God. Every pod. Think of all the pods. They should be illegal. Millions a day. Oh, God. In this house alone, millions a day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, wow. So that is very interesting news, and I like it. You guys, stretch marks are in. Stretch marks are in. Smooth skin is out. All right? <laughs> All you smooth skin bitches are over. Move over. Stretch marks are coming in. 2022. You know what I think is really wild, and I don't know if I would do this, is when very well-known celebrities do a photo shoot for, say, Vogue, like with no touch-ups and no makeup or whatever. They do like a raw one, and then Mm -hmm. they say, this is me, and I stand for showing up authentically as I am and inspiring others to do that. And so here's my photo shoot. And it's just like shocking. (laughs) Well, that's the thing that we always say, isn't it? I, I don't, if I'm wearing makeup and it's a lot of makeup, like you, you guys would be like, whoa, that's, that's for something, you know, like Halloween or like some kind of type of thing. Like I am not somebody that's going to wake up every day and spend an hour doing my makeup. There is nothing more terrifying to me than when you see a bitch take her makeup off and you're like, who is that? Yeah. There's no surprise with us. Just look at our uh, YouTube videos. I mean, we like, we're always in our pajamas. Can you imagine going on a date with a woman and she comes home and what you wake up in the morning and you're like, who is this? Well, that I think that happens a lot. And the other thing I think happens on dates and in dating is... Like, people put the fake bum padding in their jeans, and they <laughs> and they wear really padded bras. What are you going to do when a guy gets, or a girl, someone gets you naked, and you can't hide behind that? I don't understand how people handle that. But they do no, it all the time. Oh, my God. I knew a girl once. She actually fucked my boyfriend. Oh, um, lovely. Who, <laughs> she had, you know... Okay, speaking of like stretch marks and things which are just completely normal and most people have apart from Lucy Walsh, of course. I know. Sorry, um, guys. I've got other things. Don't worry. Is, you know, when I say hip dips, do you know what I mean by that? Um, no. Okay, there's no, there's no video today, so I'm just going to show you. Okay. So, you see how my hip goes down like that and then it goes in and then my thigh goes out. So, it goes whoop. You're turning me on, Annabelle. That's so sensual. You see what I'm saying? Yes. Look at your beautiful bod. Yes, I see. I see. It's like your your waist and then your hips go there. And then your body goes in a little bit. And then your thighs come out. That's called a hip dip. Got it. So girls, you know how you can buy like a chicken fillet for your titties? Yeah. You can buy a chicken fillet for your hip dip. A hip dip fillet. A, A dip fillet. That kind of makes me feel hungry, but what it is, is it's like they put it in their tights or in their knickers or their jeans to fill out that area. 
Wow. And until I heard about this, I had never even thought, oh, yeah. First of all, I didn't know it was called a hip dip. I just thought it was my leg. And then second of all, I was like... (laughs) Then I started having a complex about it. I was like, wait, am I meant to have, like, stuff in there? Like, am I meant to have some kind of, like, zhuzh in there that isn't there? This bitch who fucked my boyfriend, she wore the chicken fillet things, which I always remember about her. And I think that poor bastard must have pulled down her knickers and then those fillets fell out. Flap out. Which is karma, you know? But, like, is it a thing where you're on a date and then you know you're going to go further, so you run to the bathroom and, like, rip out your fillets? And take your fillets out of your bra and your knickers. (gasps) Oh, my God. So this is the thing. For me, I don't have a judgment of you wanting... This week's podcast, you guys, this is a great chat for this because we're talking about judgment this week. And we're being judgmental right now, but... No, we're not. I'm I'm, 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 I'm saying, no, no, I'm saying what a pain in the ass to have to function that way is my point. So my judgment is this, is that she fucked your boyfriend. (laughs) First of all, that bitch fucked my boyfriend. So there's the judgment right there. I would never. And here's why is because I am simply not organized enough to remember if there's fillets in there or not so right i'm gonna be with a man or woman and those knickers are gonna come down and the fillets are gonna flop out and the idea of that happening to me is so terrifying and so embarrassing i would die i would fucking die that's why I don't hike my tits up in my bras. I don't wear loads of makeup. Because I want you to know when that bra comes off, yeah. those those titties are low. And I you're totally gonna agree. <laughs> those titties are on the floor. And I'm not going to lie to you because I don't want you to be shocked. And I don't want to be embarrassed when I see you register that the titties went from up here to down there. I don't want to so. have to watch your face fall as far as my titties are. Exactly. I don't want to see it. So you're just going to know everything about... Gotta know it now. (laughs) You're going to know it right now. You know what I used to have to deal with? In a couple episodes ago, I said that I was wearing hair extensions all the time to keep up with other actresses. And when I would be with a guy, I would run to the bathroom and take my hair extensions out because I didn't want him to run his fingers through my hair and feel all these clicks. And be like, oh my God, she has a weave. And then someone told me that men actually feel for that. Like if a man's putting his hand behind your head, he's feeling for the weave. So he knows not to do, to pull your hair or that's considerate. Well, I think it's more of like, what's this bitch made of? Like, okay. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> what am I dealing with? What am I dealing Is with? Is she a liar? I'm not. I've, and I feel like, okay, so a weave, I'll do a weave happily. I'll wear a weave. But I'll be like, oh, I've got my weave in tonight, so don't pull my hair. Like, I'll just be like, I'll be like, <laughs> no, I'm serious. Don't fucking touch my hair. <laughs> don't fucking touch my weave. <laughs> Took me an hour to get this thing in. Don't yeah. touch it. <laughs> exactly. Look, you have to have fun with it. You have to make fun of yourself. As long as you always has a, have a sense of humor about yourself, you can get away with anything. It's just when people take themselves so seriously and they put so much into concealing their authentic self and <laughs> then it, it gets bad. It gets, you get yourself into it hot can, water. 
Oh, real dicey. Dicey stuff. Not for me. I'd rather just be rejected at first sight for the flaws I have than sort of... Exactly. ...outed during an intimate moment. You know what, Annabelle? Even though certain parts of your body haven't been shaved at the same time, at least you always keep your beard shaved, so that's good. I don't! (laughs) I've got a whole, like... Yeah, I mean, sometimes okay. you don't keep your beard and your mustache shaved at the same time, but you know. There you go. Exactly. Usually my beard or my mustache are shaved. Yeah. <laughs> so any any guys out there, just... <laughs> oh my God. What are we talking about? All right. Is it time for my news? It is. Please. Okay, great. <laughs> Let me get us out of here. <laughs> so, so mine is, of course, very sweet and heartfelt. Oh, fuck off. Uh, so, okay, this, oh, this is so sweet. So, my eyes just rolled back in my head. Sorry, I didn't mean if anyone caught that. Oh, all no, right. we're not doing video this week. Nope. There is a couple named Royce King and his wife, Frankie. They are 98 and 97 mm-hmm. years old. They live in a nursing home in hospice care. And this year was their 77th anniversary of their wedding. Mm -hmm. They got married when he was on a two-day leave before he went overseas to fight in World War II in 1944. So they got married when he was here for like a second. He had to go. It was rushed and they never got proper wedding pictures. So the workers, the workers in this hospice care home organized a wedding for them and and photographed it and no. they finally got their wedding pictures 77 years later and these pictures no. are so sweet. Hang on, I'm going to send one to you right now. I'm crying and I haven't even It's seen so that. sweet. You're going to Oh my god. Okay, so here it is. I know. I know. I know. You're actually crying, Annabelle. It's so sweet. Wow, I really got her, you guys. She's actually crying. Yeah, I know. Oh my god, how old are they? 90. They're 98. He's 98 and she's 97. So thanks to the staff at the St. Croix Hospice Care Center. Oh, my God. They were given a beautiful wedding. It was a beautiful sunny day. And there was a musician there who played 1940s standards as Frankie walked down the aisle. (laughs) I know. It's so cute. Look at her. I'm going to send you her walking down the aisle right now. I can't wait to share these. I know. I know. We're going to put this on our Instagram. He's wearing his military outfit. No! Stop sending me How cute is she? Walking down the aisle. I know. <laughs> Annabelle has lost it. She is laid back in her chair just sobbing. So one of the, the oh. workers at the hospice center said, how can you not have an overwhelming sense of emotion? The connectivity that you oh. feel, you feel as if you were there for their original wedding. Oh. And there's an overwhelming sense of pride in what our home has done for these two. So their daughter was able to be there. She joined them for the occasion. 
they blindfolded the husband until she was, <laughs> <laughs> until she <laughs> until she was ready to walk down the aisle and they said he just had the biggest smile on his face. <laughs> All the workers there said that when they told him you may kiss the bride and he gave her a kiss, it was a very long kiss. <laughs> oh, they snogged. That's so cute. Yeah, where's that dress from? It's really um, nice. Oh, it says the hospice was able to find a vintage 1940s wedding dress. Yeah, they found her a vintage 1940s wedding dress, and he was, of course, in his military attire. And I'm just so happy for them that they got to celebrate 77 years together with these gorgeous photos. I'm going to send you one right now that's going to wreck you, Annabelle. No, please stop saying. Here it comes. I'm so scared. Oh, man. Here it is. The close-up of the hands. No. (laughs) Why are you saying no? (laughs) No. And there, to finish it off, is a beautiful picture of their hands in black and white. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So that's, that's, that's my news. Very sweet. Quite powerful, isn't it? Yeah, so beautiful. Well, fuck you. I'm leaving the podcast now. That was too much. <laughs> Should we do some listener feedback? Yeah. Got some more emotion in my listener feedback. So if you oh, yeah. You said you got a gorgeous message from somebody that you wanted to share. So last week's episode was on love, sex, and relationships. And uh, what do our listeners have to say? So one listener sent us a meme that said, if Princess Diana were alive today, she would be dating Pete Davidson. (laughs) (laughs) And then sent us a little message saying, found this online earlier. And since you ladies were talking about Pete Davidson in this latest episode, I figured I'd share. Got a good chuckle out of it. Thank you so much for sharing that. That is fucking funny. And I don't want to believe it's true, but I think it could possibly (laughs) maybe be true. And he'd be making her laugh like nobody's business. Thank God. Oh, to see that woman laugh. What a joy. Oh, I know. He should be sainted or knighted or something. Agreed. Uh, Let's see. Okay, so I got one, or we got one from Donna. We were talking a little bit about my trip to Illinois and the differences I was noticing in how people handle death and grief. And Donna said, On the East Coast, we also integrate the death of a loved one into our lives. I believe that perhaps the world of entertainment that permeates California might influence the real expression of grief and death. As a world of fantasy, death may be too real. I have had the pleasure, and I say pleasure, to be with a few people when they passed, including my beloved mother. It's a beautiful thing, and we will always talk about and share the memories of that moment as part of our family story. Wow. Wow. That's really powerful. I think she's on to something about the world of entertainment. Mm, yeah, I think it's very interesting. Being I, rooted in fantasy. Until you had said about the flat uh, cemeteries in LA, California. Yeah. I hadn't, it hadn't registered with me 
And <laughs> I think it's so interesting that only in like the Hollywood Forever Cemetery and the places where like famous people and rich people are, mm-hmm. there are like tombs and stones and mausoleums, statues for people, and everything else is just flat. It's sort of really disappointing in a way. I think it's just about literally aesthetics and and not having unsightly gravestones hobbled and cobbled around the uh, view. It's not very LA to uh, to have that, I suppose. Um, That's a great too, point. Bit too gritty, bit too real, bit too um, against the message of Hollywood and Los Angeles, which is Glitz, glamour, beauty, and no stretch marks. No stretch marks and eternal youth. Yeah, um, makes sense, so, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a bit, bit of a, bit of a head scratcher for me to kind of digest that. Yeah. Um, so thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, it's also beautiful what Donna said about it being a pleasure to be with her mother when she passed. I agree with that. I think it's such an honor to get to mm. be with somebody when they take their last breath, just as it is to be with the baby when they take their first breath. Mm. Witnessing that cycle of death and birth is an honor. Yeah. And I think that there can be a perspective change surrounding that. So thank you, Donna. Yeah, beautiful. Um, I got a message this week from a lady and... It's very long. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'm going to read a bit of it. I'm incredibly grateful that a friend of mine shared your story with me. I just lost my husband, who was 32 years old, last month, and the spiritual isolation I felt has been nearly unbearable. I first saw your caption, waking up to an empty space where the funfair stood just the day before. That is grief, and immediately felt, heck yes, this is it. She goes on to mention some elements and things that we talked about that she could relate to. Your ability to articulate the experience has not only validated mine, but given me the tools to keep sharing so we can all get a little bit better at understanding this. I assume she's talking about death and the process of Mm. grieving. I hope all other future young widows frantically Googling young widows will find more of the real stuff and feel less isolated than we did. Thank you so much for sharing your experience with the world. Oh, obviously that just absolutely broke me and brought me to tears. Wow, that's so beautiful. Very, very beautiful. And ah, I, I'm just humbled by by that yeah, and very. honored to be able to make one person who's experienced this less alone you know it's yeah when she says you sit down and you google young widows like you really do (laughs) you frantically search online for anything just any uh life raft in what just feels so confusing and and uh lonely yeah and if if our show can be a life raft in that experience then my God, what an uh, honor. So that really uh, made, <laughs> made, wow. me, made us both cry. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely gorgeous. What an yeah. honor. Yeah. So thank you for writing in, listener. That was really, thank you. We love you. And yes, we uh, are here. So stay float. <laughs> yes. Keep coming back. So another... 
comment we got from Sarah. She says, thank you to both of us. I work on my embroidery as I listen, and your show is so calm and relaxing to listen to. <laughs> Aww, that's lovely. We love to hear that. Nikki says, very insightful episode. Love the discussion of soulmates. I always kind of roll my eyes at the concept, but I'm on board with it now knowing it's not just one person and not just a romantic partner. Um, I love that. I love yeah. I love this last episode we did. It felt really powerful, and the conversation we had was was really eye-opening it really got my cogs turning and um you know debunking things expanding on ideas I love when we have those moments together so I'm glad I that, too. that I love I'm glad that that's happening for others as well so how exciting yay for all of us yay for all of us we're all in it together God, I bloody hope so, or I think I might sort of just disintegrate. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we've got a doozy of a discussion today. Shall we dive in? So last week we talked about love, sex, relationships, and then this week we're going to talk about judgment. After last week, I began to panic about sharing so much. Of your own personal yeah, life. Yeah, of my, of my own personal life and my sex life, my sexuality and all of that stuff. And and specifically sex in grief and while grieving. And it's been really a battle in my head between judging myself so harshly and thinking somebody asked the question so other people are feeling this too. So it's something that we need to talk about. And also just feeling a sort of outrage that I even have to defend my own thoughts in my head and defend my own actions of of somebody that just wants to have sex. And I don't know why that that's, why is there even a judgment about that? Mm -hmm. I'm grieving. I'm a widow. I'm not a fucking nun. You know? Yeah. (laughs) And where is this coming from and what's it about? And then I started thinking about, you know, after right after we had our chat last week I immediately went into my therapy session with the EMDR thing and my mind was completely open because of the chat that we just had and I realized that we've been trying to piece together where this um eating disorder stuff for me comes from and also where the shame I feel around the death of Ryan and Max comes from the feeling of guilt and blame and and embarrassment and shame like it's my fault Mm -hmm. or like it's my because of me in some way comes from but specifically this week we were working on the eating disorder stuff and I realized that the loudest voice of judgment is me yes I am judging me I am the biggest troll of me and my therapist said to me, Brooke, the woman, we need to figure out how this judgment has supported you and served you over the years. There is a reason that this voice of judgment is there. And all of a sudden, Lucy, the penny dropped for me of, oh my God, this voice of judgment used to be my classic child of an alcoholic 
scanning everyone. You know how when you're the child of an addict, you're hypervigilant. Yes. You're, you're always reading everyone. How did they say that? Are they slurring? Are they drunk? How many drinks have they had? How did they hold their glass? How did they... Because you're scanning to see if people are drinking. You're yep. scanning to see if people are using. You're scanning to see if you're safe. You're scanning to see if it's time to remove you. Yourself from the situation, even as a four and five and six-year-old, you're learning yeah. these skills. You're scanning to see if anybody needs help. You're always yeah. on You're always on call. Yeah. Um, and You sleep with one eye open, don't you? Completely. And especially yeah. because my mom's biggest, greatest addiction in her life has been addicts. She's addicted to them. So we were surrounded by them my whole life. Mm. So as I got older, me scanning turned into me realizing, oh, these are all the same type of person and they are addicts. And then my, my scanning turned into judgment. Yes, of course. That's your brain categorizing things into good and bad, into harmful and okay. And we had this big breakthrough in the session because I was like, I judge addicts so deeply, even, even though I know they're ill, even though I know they have a disease, even though I know that they are not really in control of what they're doing, they're suffering. They are kind of at the mercy of this thing. And, but my nasty, like judgment, shadow self is going, you're weak. I don't have empathy for you. Get away from me. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be near you. I don't want to associate with you. I have the same reaction to addicts that I have to myself mm-hmm. with my eating disorder. Mm. And that was the piece that I put together is like that voice of judgment. I've always seen my eating disorder as an addiction. And that voice that judged the addicts going, I don't want anything to do with you. You're fucking weak. Get your shit together. Why can't you control yourself? More than I hated having anorexia and bulimia, I hated that I had it. I judged myself for being weak enough to have it. Yeah. And that got me thinking about judgment and all of the ways in which I judge different people for things. And for the first time in my life, the penny dropped on that expression of like the things that we judge and hate about other people we actually judge and hate about ourselves. I've always understood it, but I've never like experienced it. I've never gone, oh my God, the reason I hate me is because I hate you. And the reason I hate you is because I hate me. Right. I've never had that experience. Wow. I've just heard, I've just heard about it. That's a huge realization to come to. It's massive. And it got me thinking about judgment. And you talk about it a lot. You think about it a lot. I know you and I discuss it a lot. We work through it with little bits and bobs, you know, in day-to-day life. You know, everyone's judging everyone all the time. We live in the most judgmental time (laughs) you can live in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, When you said you wanted to talk about judgment, I thought, okay, well, we always touch on it in different aspects on Mm. all our topics. So what can we say today to come at it differently. And what you just said is we've never talked about that. That's amazing. And it makes me think about where my judgments lie. And of course they always are within ourself first. So I thought, well, let me look it up 
because to understand something, we need to look at it and learn about it. So let's learn about judgment. What is it? And I found that the dictionary says that it's the ability to make considered decisions or come to sensible conclusions, which means that judgment is necessary for survival. You as a child were scanning everybody because you needed to survive those situations. Mm -hmm. It's a defense mechanism that's meant to protect the self from what could be harmful. And that's what you were experiencing. So the point of it is to keep you separate from the thing that you are judging. And that comes mm -hmm. from fear, fear of being harmed by that thing. You're mentioning it with addiction. I have that reaction with suicides. If somebody in my younger years, if somebody would commit suicide, same thing as you just described about the addicts, get away from me. I don't have empathy for you. You're yeah. weak. You're weak. You're a loser. And that judgment is put in place to separate you from the thing to keep you safe. Now, when that turns inward on the self, oh, that's a dark, that's a dark road to go down because it, what you, what it means is that you've now created separation within yourself. So you cannot be united, unified, wholehearted. You can't, it's like a defensive wall is built up mm. there. And when that exists within you, of course you're going to <laughs> spray that to everyone around you. Yeah, to read the notes that you had made here, judgment is necessary for survival, is like exactly what I talked about last week with Brooke. And I don't know, I guess I just never, I'd never thought about it like that before. I'd never thought about it as a, as like a result of something. I just thought that it was like me being a bitch. Right. Well, that's the thing about it is that we make the mistake of thinking that it's who we are. But judgment is the mind's defense mechanism, the tool that the mind uses to keep us safe. Therefore, if our thoughts aren't real and we know that our mind is just an operating system like a computer... Is judgment even real? Well, it's a it's like a symptom. It's not. It's not like the. It's not a, the cause. It's, no. It's a as a result of something else, which is a completely new concept to me. And you, I think you've got to be careful not to uh, put kind of not take responsibility for the fact you'd be like, oh, I'm just judgment. I'm like a bitchy cunt because um this thing happened to me. Like that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying right. is working backwards to the root of it i don't know this just feels like true i don't know if you're familiar with the term like shadow work when you work on your shadow self so the part of you that is like your darkest shit basically this is kind of maybe one of the darkest elements of myself that i've ever gone kind of blazing into like okay time to time to dismantle this and it's really been interesting because obviously I've realized outside of like the funny little judgments that we make that are silly and really just 
frivolous and funny you know we make fun of each other and we're silly that's one thing okay I'm not saying that all of a sudden it's going to be Mother Teresa and we're not going to be you know making jokes and teasing Mm. ourselves and one another but that's very different than value judgments judgments of a person moral judgments all of those kinds of things and that is what I do to People with food issues, people with substance issues, people who have uh, depression and issues that they will not address. Mm-hmm. Uh, go People who have a problem and will not address it. I am so frustrated by those people who just keep having the same problem again and again and again and again and again. Right. Empathy goes out the window. That's what I would like to move away from and look at and examine. Um, and you've got here 20 signs. You've, you've pulled up this thing, 20 signs you may be overly judgmental. And I, I hated reading it. <laughs> 99% of people can identify with this list because <gasps> judgment is necessary for survival. It is. But what we need to remember... Our mind is our operating system. It's not all of us. It's a tool that we use in this life. And if we can start to observe not only our thoughts, which is what meditation is, and however you meditate, it doesn't mean sitting there doing ohms at different pitches in circles like I do. But however you can be the observer watching that mind operate, you will start to see yourself judging. And if we can start to notice where we do that, I think that they are very clear clues to what we are most afraid of, to what we are trying to keep ourselves separate from. That's yeah. why you're judging it so harshly is because you are working overtime to separate yourself from that thing. Do you think that is valid? <sighs> I think it's valid completely. I, this is just all so new to me that I'm like putting the pieces together. I know. We're I'm, just taking a stab at it today. I'm, re- I'm reading some of the things that are on this list of 20 signs you may be overly judgmental. Okay, so let's just start with, how about this? The ones where I was like, <gasps> mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's me. Most attacked. Um, <laughs> Yeah. yeah, what what jumped out to you from this list? You frequently self-criticize. Yes. And it says here, as critical as an overly judgmental person may be of others, the sword is often sharpest when they turn it on themselves. Given their wealth of knowledge about themselves, it's also often the most debilitating. So in the last year, when I have felt more shame and judgment towards myself than I ever have, in my life and I'm still working through it the widow guilt widow guilt is a real thing as I said am I allowed to have fun am I allowed to enjoy my life am I allowed to wear a skimpy outfit am I allowed to have sex am I allowed to be in a relationship am I allowed to I don't know just breathe things I want to just fucking (laughs) am I allowed to live I haven't called this person. What I haven't met up with Ryan's friends. I haven't done this. I haven't done that. I haven't done that. And it's just every day there's a voice in my head 
criticizing myself for everything I do and don't do in the light of the accidental death of my husband it's like Mm -hmm. as though it's my it means that I have to like now live in this world of like shame and expectation on me that are just higher than ever before and it's completely made up in my mind I think because you have judged yourself so harshly so fucking harshly Um, so what is that where is that voice coming from why is the judger so harsh on that I don't I'm like I, I don't know I don't understand why I've got so much shame around my grief and around well, it process. has a lot to do with our life. It has to do with how we were brought up, the concepts we learned, the social constructs that are in place, all these webs that have been spun for all the years of your life. They create that judge. Each of our judges are different. Mm. No, no two are alike. Yeah. They're so think- specific for who you are. So you have such a harsh judgment on what you just said about Ryan's death. Yeah. There are all these little cultural signifiers as well. And because I, you know me, I love my Downton Abbeys and the crowns and all of these old, you know, period and costume drama type things. There are all these little cultural signifiers and little moments of things which I never noticed in a million years before, but now I am a young widow. Do you remember in... Downton, Mary, Lady Mary loses her husband. She's very young. So she's a young yeah. widow. Which completely yes. obviously went over my head completely before. And I was like, oh, that's traumatizing and sad. The guy dies in a, in a car crash. In a car accident, yeah. Yeah. And she goes on to be blah, 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 a young widow. And so watching it this time has been so different because I'm like, oh, fucking hell. Like, this is very close to home. Mm-hmm. But there are all these little signifiers like uh, the colors they wear. And Mm -hmm. when you're in mourning, you wear purple and light purple and dark purple and grays and dark blues. And like there are colors that they wear for a certain amount of time. And the older women who are widows wear them forever until they die. And I was going to say, don't they wear them for the rest of their lives or until they remarry? Until they remarry, yeah. And then the way they refer to widows in these old programs, which is obviously how it would have been before and maybe still is with some things, is like, oh, that's so-and-so, so-and-so's widow. It's not, there's Annabelle. Right. It's, there's Annabelle, Ryan Brady's widow. Yeah, it became your title. And then there are other little cultural things like, you know, I go to parties and I go to places and people stare at me when we're in social situations and I see people whispering and like, oh, this is Sarah, this is Annabelle, Sarah's sister. And they go, oh. And then you go and you, and you see, literally at Halloween it happened. Somebody oh, wow. like did a little whisper and um, and I had the other one going, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, that's right, that's right. Mm. You know, and it's, I think that it's a combination of shame, it built in inner shame that we kind of all have about things, but then also totally just like outside societal things Mm -hmm. and then I find myself judging myself and thinking people are having a reaction to me that maybe they're not even having it's just my internalized shame and guilt exactly so because how how you're judging you are going to see the world through that lens and then when it's reflected back to you it reinforces the judgment so it's a cycle of a living Hell, it's really not a fun place to live. 
And then you can't tell what's real and what's not. Exactly. I think, I think with judgment and self-judgment especially, that is a big thing that happens where you're like judging yourself and you're thinking, is this even true, this thing I'm saying about myself? I mean, so many of these signs that you may be overly judgmental mention in them that you are not seeing things the way they really are. You are seeing them through whatever lens is the spell that you're under personally. That's how you're going to see everything outside of you and yourself. It's, uh, my God, this is such a bottomless conversation. It's just every question leads to more (laughs) questions because... We don't know who we really are because what we experience as Annabelle's personality, as Lucy's personality, as every one of us listening, is just this construct of these judgments and these personality pieces that we have pulled together. Have you seen my octopus teacher? Yes. Okay. So emotional. We won't get into it. That broke me. We... (laughs) I wa- we watched yeah. that Ryan and I watched it on our anniversary the last anniversary that we had together <laughs> and it fucking bro- I was just like <gasps> Greg he was holding me he's like I'm so sorry we watched this I'm so sorry we oh my god so do you remember when the octopus was trying to stay safe from predators so she pulled all these pieces of shells and rocks onto her body so that she was disguised. Mm -hmm. That's what we're made up of. Those are our judgments. Those are our personality constructs. And then when she wanted to move, she just let it all go and she glided off into the water. And you went, whoa. Mm. I think that's what we walk around as. I think that that is our limited experience of ourself in this lifetime. And what you and I are trying to do is get under that layer, get to the the soft life that's happening under that. But we walk around and we seem to ourselves as how it looks when he's cut co- when she's covered with shells and rocks. Yeah. That's what we seem to ourselves. We are invisible from ourselves when we are judging ourselves. And look at what we miss out on. We miss out on the true being that's under all that. Mm. It's like having beer goggles on. It is. It's just not. And that's what you're doing in your therapy is you are getting underneath that layer of stuff that you have accumulated through your life. I'm sobering up. I'm sobering up. I'm coming clean off of judgment. You've taken the beer goggles off so you can (laughs) see clearly. The level to which you judge yourself is exactly how you will govern everyone and everything around you. I am not, I'm like truly a deeply unjudgmental. I mean, you know, you know this about me. I'm not like, I'll take it as it comes. I'm good. I'm not judging. I feel like people tell me everything, dark stuff, crazy stuff, because they know I'm not going to be like, oh, fucking hell. <laughs> like, she bloody, she's lost the plot. But, there is parts of me that do go all of a sudden like mad judgmental. There's one here that says you focus on specific traits of others. Have you noticed how I can get like obsessed with like negative traits about people? And I'm just like, it just like drives me to distraction for weeks. I'm not going to name names, but. <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. And and it, it I, that thought crossed my mind when you were talking about the Instagram account that you follow where they like pick apart celebrities. Yeah. That's that. Yeah. 
it's a whole account. And we're addicted about, to it. About judging. Yeah. But that's social media for you. I mean, that's the world we live in. That's not uncommon. You are not a freak for being drawn to those things. I'm just, I'm the same. We all are. That's a really good point. Maybe part of my sobering up from judgment needs to Mm -hmm. be like not looking at shit like that. I think it's important. It will stop feeding that little voice in my. Because, like I said about the the chicken fillets for your hip dips, I didn't even know that was a thing until I saw that it was a thing. Mm -hmm. So, if people online are judging other people, celebrities, or whatever for this shit that hasn't even crossed my mind before, and then all of a sudden it's another thing that can go in my little uh, basket of judgment that I have upon myself and now others that I carry Mm -hmm. around with me, that we all do. Maybe just going clean from all that bollocks is is uh, a a good move. Yeah, I think so. I think it is a, a very important part of sobering up from judgment because the reason we're drawn to those things is it reinforces that we are right about our judgment. So you can on look at that site and on others. Yep, you can look at that site and go, you see, I'm right because everybody's everybody knows this and I'm right about how I feel about myself and all of you bitches. Um, there's this quote that really strikes me, and this is the, the goal in sobering up. It says, the ability to observe without evaluating and judging is the highest form of intelligence. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. I love it. And it feels great. One of the things that feels most amazing to me that in, in like personal development that I've learned is like we were saying about can you be in a relationship with somebody that has different views from you somebody mm-hmm. saying something like batshit to you or that just offends you like mad or is wild and you just sort of sit there and go okay and you don't go well i oh you you're wrong or mm-hmm. you just don't you just sort of let it sink allow in them for a second. yeah and go huh interesting okay feels amazing so feels how do we get so that good. How do we move that to the inside voice? Yes. That's in our own heads. It's so much harder to impose boundaries on your own voice against yourself because it goes unchecked to the point that we don't even know that it's happening anymore. We confuse it for our Mm -hmm. true self and we just think, well, that's who I am. It's not who you are. Totally. You are so right about that. So, so right. Because when I started this journey with this, she said to me, where does this come from? And I was like, I don't know. Like, I literally, I've had this for so long. I cannot even tell you where it began, with what, from who. I do not know where. It's like having a memory that you don't know where it came from. You don't even know if it's yours. Because it's not. (laughs) It's not yours. We're not born judgmental. No, we are born the octopus gliding through the water. What we do is we acquire all the pieces. They cling. We hold them on our body and we think this is mine. This is mine. This is me. This is me. Let it go. You could release it this instant. It could be gone. For anyone who hasn't seen my octopus teacher, we'll have to put that on the Instagram because it's a very powerful visual, but probably sounds really confusing and weird if you haven't seen my octopus teacher 
We'll put it on the Instagram so you have a point of reference while you listen to this. Yes. Lucy, what what things from that list sort of jumped out at you or just one of them that that made you think like, oh fucking hell. We should share this list with everyone as well, I think. Yeah. We will share this list because it's very interesting. And make me think of people I know. Yeah, right? I know. You can recognize people when you read down this list. I think one of the ones that I relate to the most is having low self-worth. And it says here, this is a result of your own constant self-criticism as well as your generally negative outlook, which is another point on the list, having a negative outlook. Unfortunately, this is a self-perpetuating cycle as the worse someone may feel about themselves, the more likely they will be to condemn others to get a boost to their ego. So self-worth is something I have struggled with my entire life. I think that's probably pretty common. It all comes back to ego as well. So It does. When my, when my self-worth is plummeting or I'm criticizing myself or another one of the things on here is you don't trust others. You often tell others how to fix or improve things. Yes. It's sort of the darkest side of your ego coming out when you yeah. when your self-worth is plummeting. Yeah. Another one that ties in with that, because again, they're all the same, is you have a regularly negative outlook. You regularly have a negative outlook. Now, I think of myself as a pretty optimistic person. But that's just the way my ego likes to think of myself. If I'm really honest with myself, do you know what I mean? Like our ego, our ego, we don't have, this is what I mean. We have no idea who we truly are because we're seeing ourselves the way we want and don't want. It's, it's a, it's a construct. It's crazy. But this one says, imagine if you were touring a new city and all your tour guide had to offer were negative evaluations of the things within it. That's kind of like what it is to be an overly judgmental person. Instead of seeing things as they are, you see them overlaid with criticisms and problems. And it should be no surprise then that people who are overly judgmental tend to have this negative pessimistic attitude towards life. So we were born optimistic, okay? That's mm-hmm. human nature. That is our soul level. We are optimists. We are non judgmental. We really are. But this perpetuating cycle of a negative outlook happens over time and Mm. is taught to us. And we learn to mimic that and adapt to that and adopt that as a part of us. And it's not, God damn it. (laughs) I can always tell that I need an attitude adjustment when I'm getting super pessimistic and I'm feeling like a victim. Oh, nothing's happening. Why is she getting that? And I'm not getting that. Why is it? You just start to see everything wrong with everything. I know I'm not in a good place mentally when I start to look around my house and see everything that's dirty and needs to be cleaned and everything that's wrong with it. And we do, I do that to myself all day long on the inside. I'm sitting here at the computer with you right now, Annabelle, and all I can see is that my roots are bad. I need to get my hair done. I have wrinkles in my forehead. I have dark circles under my eyes. My my outfit looks frumpy. The books in the back of me on the shelf don't look good. 
that's all happened while we've been sitting here, while we're talking about doing the opposite. Mm -hmm. The natural brain is making those judgments because it's so automatic for us. It happens without us even thinking that we are on automatic. We are just sleepwalking through life. Yeah. When I think if when we we're, sat here and went to all of the things that we judge ourselves about, like on repeat, I've got some repeat sort of records on, you know, and yeah. it, the widow grief is real. That is just constant, 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 constant. The things that I'd already mentioned as a little extension of that, I'm getting, I'm excited to go home. I'm very feeling like apprehensive and nervous about like, okay, well, I'm, I think I look really different now. And you know, I, I look a lot older since the crash, the grief has really, it's really wrecked me. I've got, you know, I've got gray hairs now and I've got dark eyes and my face has fallen and my tits have fallen and, and my friends are going to be so shocked to see me and I'm embarrassed and, and what you get to go home. And at that, and exactly, and that's what I'm thinking about. The other thing I'm thinking about is, oh, I shouldn't have shared that I'm going home and I'm doing all these things because what if something goes wrong? What if I can't go or, or what if something goes wrong and then I'm going to be humiliated again and everyone's going to judge me because I'm cursed and everything keeps going wrong. You know, it's like these are the constant fucking things in my head that I'm just like, that are just judgment. Yeah, that's all it is. So if we can stop that somehow just like throw a stick in the bike tire to fuck up the tires and make the bike stop for one second a so wrench, that we can not a stick whatever we need a wrench <laughs> we need a crowbar we need a wrench in the wheel to stop this machine because it's a machine and it's out of control it is just just cruising unchecked and we're sick of it Everything around us is, is perpetuating it as well. Yes. Every single thing we see and watch and hear. And I think I don't have the answers for this. I just wanted to have this, start this conversation with you because it has been such a revelation for me as far as just every, like, every kind of really negative thing about myself or about the way I relate to other people, I can, I can really link to this uh, judgment ego thing. And we, we touch on it so much. Um, and I will report back what I am learning through this EMDR stuff as it goes along. And I'd love to hear from other people what their journeys on this have been. If they have any tips that we can share or you know, anything that you want to talk about that's like linked to this subject because it's a big fucking web. Huge. And like Lucy said, I think that every single thing kind of leads to more and more questions and we're not going to get to the end of it in an hour and a half here, but I think it's a really, really good conversation for us to have, especially in this age of intolerance that we're living in that is like you said about you telling yourself you're an optimistic person, we're living in the age of intolerance, saying that this is the most accepting and uh, <laughs> open liberal time that we've had. Um, right. Everything around right. us 
Keep can- telling yourself that. <laughs> no, do you know what I mean? It's like, yes. no, no wonder it's so confusing and so hard to sort of see where it begins and ends because from politics to the news to beauty campaigns to the shit we see on Instagram is feeding this like judgment monster. And it keeps yeah. us so divided from each other and ourselves 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 let's start there let's not go through this life being separate from ourselves jeff said something to me you oh we got a jeff and before we do our jeff i just want to add when we talk about anything together I think we always try to arrive at some way to start to take some action to get a handle on it. And I just had an idea and I do this. The example I just gave of looking around my house and seeing dirty things and looking at myself and seeing everything that's wrong. Sometimes in my journal, I will list out all these judgments I'm having and then I will replace them with a positive thought. And I think... I think that's a place to start with this judgment. I think it's about replace catching ourselves and then replacing it with the positive. So I have a home. I have an apartment. My God, I won. I woke up this morning. I opened my eyes. I get to live another day. I won. I have mm. hair. Some people have lost their hair. How dare I sit here and be upset about the way my hair looks? How dare you? Yeah. How no, fucking dare you're you? Ju- oh, no, there it you're is again. judging yourself. See, this is so what how I'm fucking This is what you I'm... You see? I'm waving my book around. This is it. Guys, this is it. And that's what I started doing in my therapy. I started judging myself. How you fucking shallow bitch. You're here spending $150 an hour to watch a ball bounce around on a screen because you think your thighs are fat. Like, that is what I belittled this thing That's that voice that rips you down and says, how dare you, you stupid cunt. Yeah. Let us remind ourselves the ability to observe without judgment is the highest form of intelligence. And we must handle this because this takes a toll on not just our spirit, but our health. Self-critical thinking causes discord in your body, causes stress, weakens the immune system, causes high blood pressure, fatigue, depression, anxiety, and even stroke and heart attack. So let's handle this shit so we're not dying prematurely, shall we? What did Jeff say? Take us out, Jeff. Okay. He said a couple things, so I'm going to just say them because they're great. This one I loved. The future is not about guilt and shame. (sighs) I know, he says such good things. Okay. (laughs) This is the final one. Evil cannot exist in an atmosphere where people love themselves and one another. Being unconditional towards yourself is the truest form of love. Evil cannot exist in an atmosphere where people love themselves. Mm. Thank you, So Jeff. let us love ourselves unconditionally this week. That is our homework. Even when you're judging yourself, 
Love the judge. Love the judge. (laughs) Have compassion for the judge. Have empathy for the judge. That's how you disarm the judge. That's what Brooke told me. She said, make it somebody else. And I immediately thought about my little cutie. And There's I thought, the little cutie. Oh, there you are, you little tyke. <laughs> there you are, running around wreaking havoc. Come here. Come and sit down. Have a rest. Come here. Come yeah. here. <laughs> Time for a cuddle. Come in. Exactly. So that's what I'm trying to do. That's what I'm wow. trying to do. Wow. Well, I will join you. Good <sighs> chat. Good chat, babe. This was good. Well, not only do I love myself unconditionally, but I love you. I love you too. Say, but you can learn how to play the game.